All right, we are back at another episode of Become a Calm Mama. I am your host, Darlene Childress. I am a life and parenting coach. And last week, I talked about how puberty is triggered by changes in hormone levels and how those changes actually affect your kids, your teen, your tween's ability to adapt to stress. All of those changes actually start in the brain. The the hypothalamus starts to change the way that it communicates and what hormones are needed, and that triggers puberty. And the hypothalamus is part of the brain. The essence of adolescence can be attributed to changes in the brain. That is what is going on. So we have the you know puberty, the hormone changes, and the built the brain's growing and adapting and figuring out how to change the way that it produces hormones, right? So that's a whole system, the nervous system and the the regulatory hormone regulate regulatory system that is affected. But guess what? That's not the only thing happening in the brain during the period from around age 12 to age 24, sometimes it happens at 11, sometimes a little bit late, but the brain goes through a major remodel. So we have the nervous system thing going on with the hormones and the stress response and all of that is one thing. And then in addition to that, there's also the process of pruning. And that's what I'm going to talk about today is how the brain's, what the brain is doing and what pruning is and what the effects are and why, why the brain even does it. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. And I'm going to help you understand the like brain science. I'm not a brain scientist, obviously. I'm a parenting coach, but I'm going to give you a little bit of understanding of what is going on in the brain and then why it does it. And like the long-term effect of why pruning is so important. That's what the brain does this whole remodel for a reason. So I'm going to help you see sort of the big picture and why and what's going on with your adolescent. And then I'm going to talk about kind of the short-term problems that are created when your child's brain or your teen's brain is going through this major remodel because it can be really difficult for families, which is a big reason why adolescence is so complicated. And it is because of their their stress responses is changing, the way they think is changing, and then also the way they experience things is changing. So let's get into it. Let's talk about what pruning is. A very simple understanding or way to think about it is just imagining, you know, an overgrown bush, like a blackberry bush or something like that. And if you have just so many brambles and so many branches and leaves, you're not really able to produce a ton of fruit. It's like all of the nutrients are, you know, distributed in a way that's really messy and and not giving the plant what it needs to truly thrive and create a specialized blackberry. And so the brain essentially is doing the same thing. It's pruning extra synapses. It's and neurons. It's going into the brain and it's taking out whatever isn't needed anymore. So pruning is this process when the brain keeps connections that are used frequently and discards those that don't seem to be needed anymore. This is this longer process and it helps the adult brain become specialized. Uh, Let me explain what neurons are. 
So neurons are just cells in the brain. The cells in the brain, they work together to send messages, to communicate with each other, like a telephone pole or something, right? It's like, you know, it's sending messages across the brain. And that's how the, the thoughts form or the hormones get triggered and all of that. That's how access to kind of what we think of as executive function or cognitive function happens is the brain sort of moving at a very fast pace. And when you're a little kid, you create a lot of these neurons. So the neuron is the cell and the synapse is the connection between the cells, between the neurons. So when you're little, there's an excessive production of neurons, of nerve cells. And there's a lot of synapses, the connections between. There's so much that is the brain is growing and learning and it's learning to walk and talk and, and eat and run and move and know how to respond to smiles. And then it's learning to like count and uh, know its numbers and uh, identify uh, labels of, of colors. And then hopefully you're teaching them what feelings are, right? So the brain is, you know, adapting to various experiences and stimuli and is just creating a whole bunch of neurons. And then at a certain point, it says, okay, this is too much because we need to lay what's called myelin. So myelin is a goopy substance that is laid between the synapses so that the circuit, the connections between neurons moves really fast. And if the brain laid myelin, with every synapse and all of those neurons in the brain, it would be a big goopy mess. And so it does this process of pruning, taking out what's not needed, taking out those synapses and eliminating them so that it can improve its efficiency because it wants to lay down this myelin. It wants to make the brain really, really work. We think about it like, I don't have to think about learning to drive or driving anymore, right? I I have all this muscle memory and I know how to do it and my brain is really efficient. But of course, when I'm learning to drive, I'm building up all this neural capacity to understand how to move my leg and put my foot on the gas and steer at the same time and keep my eyes on the road. There's just so much going on. And so over and over and over, the brain wants to make all of those things really efficient. And so it does this process of pruning. And it helps us actually have faster processing to get to like thinking, right? We want our kids to be able to think and process information and make decisions and understand cause and effect and time and and big picture planning and all of these things that we want for our kids as they get older. This process of pruning, it plays a crucial role in helping that happen. So pruning doesn't actually make it harder to learn. It makes it easier to learn. It makes it easier for the brain to uh, grow because it's not so full of things that it doesn't need anymore. I always think about it like when you're really little and you learn to play chess and you maybe learn to knit if you went to a school like my kids and, you know, you maybe learned some Spanish or Chinese or, you know, Mandarin or something like that. And you've exposed yourself to like, you play basketball and football and soccer and you learn to dance and you used to do art and like little kids are exposed to so many things, which is cool. But then as, as they get older, the brain starts to specialize and it needs to prune away 
if the child took Spanish, say, at six and seven and hasn't used any Spanish, it's 11 or 12, the brain's going to be like, nah, we don't need Spanish. <laughs> and it will like prune some of that away. It doesn't want to strengthen anything that it doesn't think it's going to need access to quickly and easily. So that's why a lot of times you don't even remember things that you did when you were little or that you even took a class. Like my son barely remembers ever playing basketball because he only played one or two seasons and we didn't stick to it. But he remembers playing soccer because he played all the way until, you know, he was like 15 or 16 and maybe 14. I don't know what age. So the brain was like, oh, we need to keep these soccer skills, right? It's the same with like swimming or whatever. Funny enough, the brain decides to keep riding a bike. Like if you learn to ride a bike when you're little, the brain is like, oh yeah, we're going to keep this one. <laughs> Maybe it's an easy myelin sheath, you know, to like lay down. Because, you know, people are always like, you know, you never forget how to ride a bike. And it's like, why is that? Right. And that's because the brain doesn't prune that information, but it prunes a whole bunch. Now, why is it so great? It actually is amazing to have your kid go through this process of pruning because they learn how to make better decisions. As pruning refines the neural circuits, then you'll see that your teen or your tween is able to make better decisions to think about things differently. And maybe they understand the cause and effect of like, if I don't wash my face, I get a zit or if I don't do my homework, I don't have good grades and I can't go to the field trip. And they're, when they're younger, you've done all that thinking for them. And we want them to be able to do that thinking for themselves. And so that is what's so great about this process is the brain is like, oh, I now am in charge of my own well-being, right? It's, it's really, really good. We like it. We want our kids to grow up and become responsible. We also, what's cool about Pruning is that the prefrontal cortex becomes more accessible. That's why decision-making is easier. The synapses in the myelin between the limbic center where all the emotions are, the brain starts to make some real long myelin connections and lays down the neural circuitry towards the prefrontal cortex, which is where cognitive function happens. So that's why decision-making improves. But the other cool thing is that's where empathy lives. And perspective taking lives in our prefrontal cortex. It doesn't live in our emotions. Empathy is more of a practice that's based on cognition, right? It's not an emotional, it's not an emotional process. Developmental stage of pruning, they become ability, they have more ability to be empathetic and take on the perspective of other people. And that's really cool. It's it's they they have more understanding of of other humans and, and how they're feeling and how they're thinking and their reality. And that's beautiful. A couple other benefits of pruning are that your kids are able to have more ability to manage their stress. We said during puberty, last week I talked about that, it's a lot of work for the stress response, the stress system in our, in our bodies, the nervous system to integrate all of these new hormones and it makes it harder for your kids to cope with stress and they're easily disturbed and they're easily emotional and they're kind of erratic and they have irrational behavior and all of those things that are hard while the brain is doing these neural, this, this circuitry rebuilding and remodeling, it's actually helping your kids access better coping mechanisms. It's giving them skills so that they can handle 
all of their life. That's what becoming a grown-up is. And most of our coping mechanisms, like our stress management tools and all of that, they're held at our prefrontal cortex. That's all like, oh, I'm stressed. I need a strategy. And then we access our, our prefrontal cortex, our thinking brain, and we employ those strategies. When we're not able to employ those strategies, that's when we're reactive. That's when we're in our limbic center or in our primal you know, fight flight systems. We want our kids to like lay that mile in, build those synapses, get, go ahead and grow your staircase to your second story. If you think about basement is the primal part of the brain and then the main level is the limbic center and then the upstairs is the part of the brain that does all the thinking. This process of pruning is creating the staircase. Isn't that cool? So we want our kids to be able to build that staircase and be able to communicate better, manage their stress better, make better decisions, have more empathy. Amazing. Now, (laughs) if it's so amazing, why is it so hard to have teens and tweens? And here's why. The staircase isn't built and it's not built in a linear fashion. It's kind of like some rungs are built, you know, some parts of the staircase are built on one section and then this one is over here and there's some stairs here that lead to nowhere and it's a remodel. There's not really a a very clear pathway to that prefrontal cortex. And a lot of the pruning actually happens in that thinking part of the brain And it also, a lot of it is happening in the emotional center. And so your child sometimes over, the brain's over prunes itself. It cuts back too many neurons. And then the brain is like, oh wait, shoot. We actually do need to like know how to speak kindly. So let's put those back. Like, oh yeah, we do need to understand time. Let's put those back. If you think of a two-story house under renovation and you imagine the staircase is missing some steps, like getting to that second story would be really challenging. So it's all, it was always hard when they were little, but you know, when they're like eight, nine, 10, it, it, all, all, it all starts to seem like it's coming together for your kid. You're like, okay, I think that, you know, they kind of understand things. We're able to talk. They're able to manage their emotions. And you have this little glory moment with parenting at that age where things seem to be settled and then bam, adolescence. And you're like, what the heck happened? So what the heck happened? Puberty, influx of new hormones. The brain is working hard to figure out how to integrate those. Second thing, pruning. So all of a sudden you have this kid who has less access to prefrontal cortex than they used to. Which is nutty, but it is sort of the process of how the brain does this work where it over prunes and, you know, it doesn't build myelin fast enough while, you know, it's just kind of like a really, a really bad contractor (laughs) where you're like, what are you doing contractor? And the contractor's like, I got a plan. Just trust me. You know, in, in five years, you'll have a wonderfully built house and you're looking at your 12 year old, like I can't wait five years. Right. But you can What kinds of behaviors do you see during this period that make it hard to parent during this pruning period, during this adolescent stage? One is emotional regulation. So there's already a lot of mood fluctuation. And if the brain, it does some too much pruning or creates an imbalance, it creates more emotional dysregulation. 
That's why sometimes a 13-year-old will seem less mature than a nine-year-old. And it really is because there's so much going on in their, in their brain, like in their development. Other things you'll see are learning and academic challenges. It, pruning is good. It, it creates cognitive efficiency, but sometimes temporarily it can disrupt the learning process. What that looks like is maybe difficulty concentrating, difficulty organizing information, difficulty adapting to a new educational challenge like, you know, algebra, say, or uh, the five paragraph essay or whatever it is that your kid is being exposed to. Sometimes we look at what's the changes in the brain and it almost looks like ADHD. It's like impulsive, inattention, mood instability. That's sort of hallmarks of adolescence. And I want you to understand that your your kid can't really help it. <laughs> like they need support and they need you to, to come alongside them slowly and give them the, you know, give them back their, their thinking brain in some ways. So we see emotional regulation, we see academic challenges, and then the identity and self-concept, which is a big part of what your child is learning is who am I, right? The pruning can affect the way that they see themselves. They are creating a new identity within their, not a new identity, but they're solidifying identity. They're trying on parts of themselves and seeing if they fit and you know, like, oh, I'm really into skateboarding, say. And then it's like a year later, you're like, you don't skateboard anymore? It's like, no, not really. And you're like, oh, I thought we were a skater now. Like we're looking and going, oh, they're a blank now. They're a blank now. But it's not really permanent. They're trying on some things. We won't really know until the dust settles, you know, 17, 18, 19, kind of who they, what their true interests are. That's why it's really hard if you have 16 year old and they're trying to pick a major for college or pick a career. It's like, that is very challenging when you have no idea who you are, what you like. It feels like it's changing all the time. And it's, it's just really difficult for our teens. So then you don't know. They're like, well, I used to be really good at soccer. I don't even play anymore. I can't even, you know, I don't even do it. They lost that piece of their identity. And sometimes that can help like they lose a piece of their self-worth their self-esteem the other major thing that's hard for parents in this time is risk-taking behavior essentially the children experience dis dopamine differently they don't have access to decision making as well and um, they're in environments where there's less adult supervision and so you might see this risk-taking behavior and that can, it's totally normal, it's natural, but it can sometimes lead to mistakes and that can really freak us out as parents. And then sometimes socially, your kids might show up and have social issues at this age in this developmental stage. You know, you're looking at your kid and you're like, hey, you can't treat your friends like that or do this or that, whatever behavior, um, without having social impacts or they're having those social impacts and that's scary for you. As their identity is evolving and their brain is evolving, they're going to have interactions with their peers. And also their peers' brains are also undergoing renovation. So it's a pretty complicated period of time for, for all of them in their relationships. People are, you know, the kids are easily dysregulated. They don't know who they are. They don't feel good about themselves. And then they might take that out on other kids or try to people please and act in ways that 
we don't think are appropriate or we don't even recognize as like, who are you? Why are you acting like that? All that behavior that's happening is totally normal, but it is hard to be around, right? It's essential for our kids to go through this process of adolescence. They have to like go through the puberty and go through the pruning in order to get on the other side and be mature adults. But in the middle of it, it's really, really hard. So I want to offer you just one tool today, one simple exercise that can help you not feel so overwhelmed. And what I've noticed with parents and myself is that I get, I look at the kid in front of me, right? I always say, parent the kid in front of you, not the one you wish they were or the one you're afraid they'll become. And the one you're afraid they'll become is really what I see happening for parents of teens. It's like you look at your 14-year-old and you're like, you're a jerk and just making mistake after mistake. And it's just like, ah, you you know, you want to like shake them and, and also control. I see a lot of parents getting, you know, really strict or really lectures and, and kind of trying to teach their kid right now. You can't act like this. And really the perspective that I'm offering you know, is that this is normal. This is natural. Your kid is struggling, right? They're not a total jerk. They're actually almost having some sort of issue, like cognitive issue because their brain is undergoing this massive uh, remodel. Understanding that, then the tool is the positive parenting vision. This is a tool that I teach in all my classes, and it's really a way to get out of worst case scenario thinking. Because what your teen needs from you while they're going through their adolescent years is they need you to be doing your best thinking, right? Because they're not doing their best thinking. They're very impulsive. They're very distracted. They're very much working hard just to feel good all day long. When we are also feeling impulsive and distracted and we're working really hard, it can be hard for us to then show up for our kids in a way that's supportive for them. They're freaking out, right? Their brain is under this massive renovation and they want to look to us and be like, okay, am I going to be okay? Like we're in this, in a storm and we're on a ship together and you're the captain and they're looking at you and they're like, are we going to be okay? Are are we going to ride these storms? Am I going to be okay? That's really what they're looking at you and they're wondering, am I going to be okay? And if you're looking at them and you're like, I don't know if you're going to be okay, that's really, really scary. So I want you to trust that your kid is going to get through it, that they're going to be okay. And how you do that is by having a positive vision of the future. So getting out of worst case scenario and getting into best case scenario. And your teen then can borrow your belief because they don't have it, right? Feelings are contagious. And if you're worried about your teen, your teen's like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not going to be okay. And then that makes them feel stuck and maybe seek feeling okay someplace else, maybe with their friends in a relationship or with drugs or with school. Perfectionism can also play into this, right? Because they're like, oh, I'm not okay. So I better do better, more, more, more. Or they're like, I'm not okay. So fuck it. I'm out, right? I'm just going to like, you know, give up. Those are extreme examples, but we want our kids to feel like, hey, 
my parent believes that I'm going to get through this. So, and they're older than me. They've been through it. They're not going to give you any credit, just so you know, no credit ever. But in their subconscious, in their hearts, they're going to believe, okay, I can take a deep breath. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to weather this storm because my parent says I am. So that is where it's important to spend time picturing a best case scenario. So in the classes that I teach, I give you prompts and things like that. But right now, I just would love for you to just think 10 years from now. So if you have a 15-year-old, imagine them at 25 and imagine the best scenario possible. Picture where they live. Picture their friendships. Picture their relationships. Picture the way that you connect with them. How frequently do you want to talk in a best case scenario? Just allow some room to see the future as positive. You can imagine any future you want because there's no, it doesn't exist yet. You can play this game with your brain and you can like go to hope and go to the future and be positive. And your brain is going to be like, don't be irrational. You know, you can't think that. Why not? You can think whatever you want. You can just make it fantastic. Lincoln just left for college and my brain sometimes wants to freak out and tell me like he's definitely going to fail out and I don't know, have all these negative thoughts. I'm not going to talk about them because I don't want to spend much time thinking of them. I just want to think about like how much success he is possible for him, how much he's matured, how much he's grown and who he's becoming. I love it. It makes me smile. And that's the feeling I want you to have towards your adolescents and your teens and your tweens. So this is just the one of the tools that I teach in the courses, the Emotionally Healthy Middle Schooler, Emotionally Healthy Teen. I also teach this in the Emotionally Healthy Kids class um, because it's such a powerful mindset exercise. I teach a whole bunch of them in the course. So if you kind of like this way of learning and you like kind of, okay, I understand why they're acting this way and now I want to like shift my perspective so that I can show up differently. If that's your jam and you've got a middle schooler or a high schooler, I strongly recommend you sign up for the class, the Emotionally Healthy series, because in that class, I'm going to really help you get clear about your role and how to set limits, how to be, you know, how to stop lecturing, how to listen better. That way you don't feel so overwhelmed. I want to help you get those practical tools that you know, nobody really ever teaches. Like, how do you actually say it? How do you actually do it? What am I supposed to do if they don't clean their room? Like, Darlene, tell me the answers. I'm willing to tell you sort of a strategy. So that's why I encourage you to go in the class and sign up. Those classes start the week of September 18th. The middle schooler class is on a, on Tuesday, starts September 19th. It meets for six weeks. We're going to meet at 1130 Pacific for about an hour each week for six weeks. You get the workbook, you get the class. Probably there'll be around 10 people, maybe less. I mean, some of my classes only have three or four people in them. You don't have to talk if you don't want to, but it's small, small group. So I can use your examples when I'm doing the teaching. So I teach the concepts and then I open up for questions and it's really great. So I encourage you to do that. It's $397. That includes the class the workbook, and then you get six additional months of support. So you get to be invited to the parent support group that meets on the first Monday evening of the month. Amazing offer, amazing class. I'd love to have you in there. So you can sign up at my website, which is com 
mamacoaching.com and the mama is spelled M-A-M-A. So calmmamacoaching.com, you go to programs, you see the courses, and then you can sign up for the course. Classes are always available. Really encourage you to uh, participate, to join my classes, get into the Calm Mama world, get my support so that you can stop freaking out (laughs) and stop losing your shit with your kids. So this week, work on your positive parenting vision, really anchoring into best case scenario, shoot 10 years out, imagining the future, and just know that (laughs) your brain also is not... It's not rigid, right? We all have neuroplasticity, so you can grow just like you learned on this podcast episode today. You learned some new things. So the brain is always growing, always learning, always developing, which is amazing and what a gift. So I hope you have a great week thinking about your best case scenario, and I hope to see you in one of the classes. All right. Bye.